record. All right, and we're live. Jake Simpson, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you Jake, who I personally worked with him uh, at RSU over the last four years. Jake was the team captain and is now the assistant coach at Roger State. And he also is the founder and head coach of Tulsa's Blitz United's Striker Academy. Jake, in 2019, finished his college playing career with a plethora of awards, including bringing home the GAC MIAA Conference Championship Trophy for the first time in the program's history. He was United Soccer Coaches All-American third team, COSIDA Academic All-America second team, COSIDA Academic All-District team, United Soccer Coaches All-Central Region first team, D2CCA All-Region, All-Central Region first team, All-GACMIAA first team, GACMIAA All-Tournament team, GACMIAA Distinguished Scholar Student Athlete. He was a three-time GACMIAA Offensive Player of the Week, and he recorded a school record of 14 goals on 72 shots. Please welcome Jake Simpson. <laughs> that was a lot of words. A lot of letters in there. Yes, there were. Um, Jake, tell me about your last season at RSU and what it, how did you get there to be that successful with the team? I think uh, we got lucky in terms of we had a team that had been together for basically four years. Uh, I had a medical red shirt, so I was a super senior. So we had a lot of boys that had been together since freshman year. Um, so I think it was a, when you have a lot of people that play together for a long time in college, especially you're on the right track. Um, so we just had a lot of really good players and it all came together at the right moment. And luckily for me, it was my last one round. So good to go out of a bank. Okay. So you attribute it to, to luck. Cause it's funny because I, I, I attribute it to a lot of hard work day in and day out. Cause I've seen behind the scenes, how hard you guys work in practice every single day. And there was a difference in the energy in training that season, especially with individuals. I think uh, a couple of the years before that, I think we thought we were good, but didn't put in enough work to actually achieve the potential we had. And then that last year, I think a lot of people put their heads down a lot more realized for a few of us it was the last one we get which obviously it shouldn't happen but in the back of your mind I think when you're a junior and a sophomore you're like I've got a couple more I've got a couple more but then when you're in your last one and you know okay I don't get to do this again I think it spurs you on a little bit more uh, to work a little harder and luckily for us seniors that were there the juniors and sophomores and freshmen that were playing um, they put everything they had into it 
they realised it was our last one and did everything they could to help us. Um, but no, the hard work was definitely the work rate and what we did off the field was definitely ramped up compared to years beforehand. Okay. Um, so you think it's just everyone coming together and, and having a, a single goal as a collective unit? Yeah, 100%. I think in years prior, and I was, I was probably at fault for this sometimes, it was uh, a lot of people won the individual accolades. Uh, and I was one of them people, like I just wanted to score goals. Um, but this year, I think we all put the team first. And basically, obviously, we have a lot of good players on the team. And everyone wants to be like that guy. If you don't want to be that guy, I don't think you'll go far anyway. I think you have to want to be the best. Uh, but we had a lot of people that wanted to be the best and worked on that as an individual rather than working as a team on being the best. But I think this year especially, we kind of put that to the side and decided we'll get the individual accolades if the team's successful. Uh, so we all put our heads down at the start of the season. I think you helped with it, setting goals. And we kind of just said, look, this is our last one. We want to go out. We want the ring. A lot of people were training over the summer and putting ring season on their stories and stuff because you can have all the individual accolades you want, but at the end of the day, the ring we got for winning as a team is the best one you can get. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people put that to the side. And then me personally, I know a lot of people on the team, Noah, Jordan, uh, Jackson, Callum, all the boys that were had the potential, we played for each other rather than to be the best. And all of our stats kind of showed that at the end of the year. And the ring showed that, so. Yeah, um, so so the ring was just a byproduct of playing for each other. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And there was there was games this season. Don't get me wrong, where we did slip back into our old ways, um, and we did start thinking about individual records and blah blah blah. And we dropped a few games we shouldn't have dropped because of that. Uh, but then when it really mattered at the conference tournament. Them last two games, without a doubt, they're our best two games of the season. And everyone played for each other. Like, there was no, it was all about winning that trophy together. No individual accolades mattered at the end of it. That's great. That's great. Um, let's, let's take you back into, back to England. What got you started in football or soccer? Um, to begin with, when did you first fall in love with the sport? I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. I think back home in England, the it's it's not the same as over in America, where a lot of people in America play every single sport, and then kind of try and figure out which one they like the most or which one they might be best at. Because you've got baseball, football, soccer, which is kind of like low down on that list. Basketball. Um, and I think everyone kind of just plays all of them and then tries to figure out which one they like the most. But back home, it's kind of like football is the main... It's like the whole of England loves football, basically. I'd say that the vast majority, 95% of people, they grow up playing either football or rugby and you pick one. Um, and I was always a fan. I don't know. I, I used to just knock a ball about. 
I got involved in it super young, probably four or five years old. Um, and then you, you know, you know, you love the game as well. You just kind of fall in love with it. I, I absolutely love David Beckham. Uh, I used to support any team he went to. Um, watch a lot of his uh, videos, posters of him everywhere, and then yeah, I just fell in love with it. And then obviously, like anything, when you see progress and you start to think, oh, I'm actually not bad at this you invest more time and effort into it and especially if it's someone like football that you love doing you end up doing it 24-7 until I mean you become a decent decent player I'm sure most kids in in England who start playing soccer and football they uh their ultimate goal is to go pro would you agree yeah the dream uh, everyone's got the same dream back home I mean everyone it doesn't matter what level you're at you just want to play professional even when we come out here my first years in America even up until the end of last season I still wanted to go and play pro I mean just to be able to say that like you're getting paid and it's your profession to be a footballer it's just it's a dream because it's not a job is it it's just you get to do the best thing in the world and get paid for it so, no, I think everyone has the same dream. And I think if you don't have that goal and you set the bar a little lower, I don't think you'll be as successful. I think you want to play to play pro. And obviously you play for the fun of it, but I think the best players will want to be at a higher level than what they're at now. What pushed you to to get better? Like, I'm sure there is a time when you're kind of like mediocre and then something was just like you know what I'm gonna give this all I got and just keep getting better and better was there a moment like that for you I think growing up and it sounds cliche but a lot of people say it I think naturally I, I used to score a lot of goals as a kid um and I was a lot bigger I, I developed quite quick quite a lot quicker than everyone else um, so while I was playing like U9, U10 football, uh, you play for like your village team back home. So while I was playing for the village, I just, I had like a natural knack of just scoring goals, I think. And there'd be like awards at the local village social club throughout all the teams. And I was like a 10 year old and I was winning like best player in the village, most goals scored in the village and stuff. And that's with like the men. Um, and then there's no better feeling than scoring goals. So I think like you get kind of addicted to that feeling and you want to keep doing it. So then you work on it. And especially with the whole coaching thing I'm doing now, I try and tell kids, it doesn't matter who your coach is, you have to do it by yourself. So back home in England, after school every day, most of the boys would go out, uh, play heads and volleys, play World Cup, and you'd be kind of coaching yourself and getting better without even knowing because you just having fun with your friends, but everything you're doing is kind of like refining techniques. Um, and then as people start to see that you're like a good goal scorer in England, you start getting a little bit more attention. So you go from the Vidis team, then you start playing for your county, which is kind of like your state, I guess, in England. Um, and then obviously there's professional clubs and you can become a part of their youth setup. So you can play like, all the Premier League clubs, you can play for their youth teams if you're good enough. So then it's kind of like 
you set yourself a goal and you're like, oh, maybe I could do that, maybe I could do that. So when you're playing for the village, there's county scouts that come. So you play for them and you're like, oh, wow. Then you get into the county team and you're like, okay, maybe I'm good enough because the academy scouts come to the county games. So then you're like, oh, maybe I could get into an academy. And then when you get into the academy, you know that you've got a real good chance. Um, and you get a lot more recognition when you're playing in that kind of, at that kind of level. So Any I think... For an academy well, team? Yeah. Um, when I was tw- uh, 12 or 13, um, I was playing for the county team in Cambridge and uh, we were in the county final. And after the game, there was a Norwich scout, Norwich City. He was at the game. And uh, he came over and I went on trial with Norwich. And uh, I was on trial for about a month and then luckily got into their youth system. So then it just, it changes everything. Because then you've gone from playing in your village, which is a walk down the park, and you're driving an hour and 15 minutes every week to go and train at Norwich and the facilities are ridiculous. Um, So no, that, that changed a lot for me. And then when you're in that environment and you see all the pros and you see the facilities they have um, and you're training like quite close to them, then you're like, okay, that's what I really want to do. Like you're constantly looking over thinking, oh, I really want to play for them. I really want to be with that group. So no, that was more tangible, more real. Yeah. But that's the thing. And I don't think some people realize like it's literally right there. Like they eat in the same canteen as you, the cafeteria is the same. They train. There's a lot of pitches on their uh, facility, probably about 10 grass pitches, but you're on one and you can see them on the other one. And it's just like, they're right there. They park their cars in the same car park. Um, So, yeah, you get to see it every day. It's close, and it's it's a good driving force. Was Norwich your your first club to play for? Um, Yeah, I mean, when you're younger, in Cambridge especially, there was like a League Two team called Cambridge United. And uh, a lot of the local boys went down there. Um, But Norwich was the first really big team and the only really big team I played for in England I was there from 12 to 18 um what was your very first official game like with Norwich I uh it was a trial game and uh it was against Chelsea and uh it's weird because you go from playing local teams like villages and then all of a sudden you're playing against Chelsea and it was it's it's a U12 game so it's not they're not but it's still Chelsea like they're wearing the Chelsea kit you're wearing the Norwich kit like and uh yeah like I said I was I was quite well developed at 12 compared to everyone else I was uh quite a bit taller um shot up pretty quick so I was uh I actually managed to score twice on that first trial game one of them was a handball but I don't, I don't like ten level, but it still feels like it still feels like it was yesterday. Like I still remember it. Uh, yeah, that first game. Oh, the Maradona. Just, it kind of it come through over the top, and I I went to take a touch, and the keeper had come out, and as I went to take a touch, it kind of bounced off my right hand and went round the keeper, and it looked like I meant to do it with my knee. Uh, but if, if you're on trial and you score a goal, you're not gonna. I ran off celebrating like I buried it on purpose. So, yeah. That's awesome. Were you uh, were you nervous on your first game? How did you deal with with butterflies stuff like that? I'm always I'm always nervous. It don't, it don't that that's the one thing about me. And you, if you ask the, the lads at Roger State as well, they'll tell you 
I was I was nervous before every single game. It didn't matter. And I don't know why. I don't know why I get like that. I think I think half is excitement. Uh, you put a bit of pressure on yourself. You want to go score. You want to perform. Uh, but yeah, before every game, I was nervous. I had butterflies. Felt a little bit sick. The conference final game. I was. I was a wreck before the game with nerves. Didn't speak to anyone. Um, but at the end of the day, when you get in that huddle before the game, especially if you're wearing the captain's band, you've got to kind of put it to one side, tell people what they need to hear. And then as soon as the game gets going, the butterflies go away because you, your head's not on that anymore. Like You're actually in it. What happens, happens. Um, it's good therapy, isn't it? Football. Forget everything for ninety minutes, and that's all that matters. So, yeah, the nerves go away. That's one thing I I was just talking with someone the other day about is how being in those ninety minutes it really connects you to the present moment. It's like a form of meditation almost because Mm. nothing else matters. You can have your whole life being destroyed on the outside, but as soon as that whistle blows and you're playing. You're there in that moment. You forget about everything else. 100%. That's one of the things that addict that I got addicted to when I played soccer was that feeling. Yeah, as a college athlete, there's a lot of stuff going on, um, and especially like you play a Thursday game, and obviously I've played a few of them now, um, and you could have had a really bad day at school, and your grades could be terrible, and you could be having an argument with your girlfriend, and everything's going wrong. But as soon as seven o'clock hits and it's game time for an hour and a half, nothing else matters. Like All of the stress you're under from school and outside sources and stuff all goes away. And, uh, yeah, just play for 90 minutes. And then obviously all that comes back afterwards. But not if you win. It makes it a lot easier to deal with if you win. Is there anything else you found that comes remotely close to that feeling, to something that you could – if someone doesn't play soccer, like this is the next closest thing I've found to like help with staying in the moment or stress. Is there anything? No. No, I mean, and the coaching is good because you're kind of like still in the game and you still have them kind of emotions, like the ups and downs of the game. And for 90 minutes as a coach even, all you're thinking about is the game. Um, so you're still in it. It's not it's not the exact same buzz because you can't actually control what you're doing. Uh, but it's a similar buzz and the feeling of like seeing someone do something that you spoke to them about or you've helped them with is really like uh, rewarding. But uh, I don't think there's anything quite like for I don't think there ever will be. I think sports in general for anyone, you've got your sport and that one thing yeah, and then, I mean, FIFA on the Xbox is close, but that's a head loss as well. So I don't think there's anything no, remotely close. Okay. Um, sometimes practice can get pretty boring and just monotonous, and you're just it just feels like work. Mm-hmm. What are some things you've done personally in the past or – with your now that you're coaching to make practice more fun I think competition is super important uh, I don't think it matters what 
the drills you're doing are, if you can add some level of competition, especially with like the older boys, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's competitive, then they want to win. So it could be a, as simple as passing a ball in a straight line down the line. But if you say, all right, whoever's the best at this uh, gets X, Y, and Z, then they're going to really enjoy passing the ball down the line. Like it's strange. Um, but I think training, it, I know what you mean by boring, monotonous, like it's repetitive. But I think if you go into it with the mindset that uh, you need to do it and it's going to help you on a Saturday and you're kind of lucky to be there. I think the big thing that helped me at RSU, especially was your story. I mean, that everyone was moved by the way that you said you wish you could just have achy legs, be bored of passing the ball again, be tired of that. Um, obviously, as you know, I've got your t the tattoo on my calves of your strength and honor crutches. And uh, I think that helped me a lot in terms of even when I was a little bit bored and we were doing the same pattern to goal the whole time. And uh, I was like, oh, there's no defenders. Kind of like thinking about, well, you're actually lucky to be doing a pattern to goal. And on Thursday, this pattern to goal could actually lead to a goal. And there's people everywhere that wish they could be stood where I am, just knocking this ball into the empty goal. It, it, definitely, it definitely helped me a lot. Um, and I don't think many people get bored of training because even if it is boring, you're still playing football. Like, there's a lot more boring stuff to be doing. Like, you could be doing homework or you could be out on the field training. Like, so, but no, competition definitely helps everything. Uh, even I, I coach a lot of younger ones right now, that making them do like training at home and they come and they work on a skill move and you give them a Reese's piece for the, like the best ones. And the kids will work hard for some candy. That's, that's a fact. That's a fact. That's great. And for those who don't know about my story yet, um, I was in a car accident when I was 23. Uh, I used to be a huge soccer fan, played in high school, played in college at Northeastern State. Um, and then I talked a lot to RSU about my story and about how I wished I could still be out there playing and wished I could still um, be fighting next to them because um, I still use a wheelchair to this day. Um, and uh, one of my crutches I have over here that I would use, I wrote on them strength and honor, one on each one. Um, from comes from the movie Gladiator. And uh, mantras are very important and things you tell yourself to, to stay positive. And so that was one of mine that would keep me motivated. And Jake really took that one to heart and got those words tattooed to his calves. Um, so that's that's my story in a nutshell. Um, what sure, else did uh, so being I guess being appreciative, being grateful to to be able to still do what you're doing in the moment um, that can help. So how how would something like that translate to like now being stuck at home um, with the coronavirus going on? Like, is there anything that translates that way? Like. Just knowing, like, yeah, it does suck now, but it's not going to be forever. It's like, kind of, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and I've been, I think a lot of uh, the success that came <clears throat> was from researching a lot more successful people. And uh, 
the, the my favorite one is called David Goggins. Um, his book, I could probably safely say, changed my whole life. Um, anyone that knew me before it and knows me after it knows that, and I speak about him a lot. And it's become a bit of a joke now amongst the boys, but it's like it is a seriously like great story. Um, and he posted recently and said, "This is kind of like a lot of people's." the closest they're going to get to kind of like a war because it's an invisible virus, but it's putting a lot of people down. A lot of jobs are being lost, but at the end of the day, you're either going to come out of it stronger and mentally stronger. If you can look forward to what's on the other side of it, or you're going to come out of it weaker. And I I enjoy turning everything into that kind of situation now, like testing yourself, pushing yourself a little bit extra. Like it, it is boring. It's a nightmare. Obviously, all I want to do is be coaching and we can't coach right now. There's no, all the boys have gone back to their countries, back to their homes. <clears throat> um, all the kids are being kept safe. So, I mean, you could cry about it and complain about it, or you can research more coaching techniques, <clears throat> hit the gym hard, run, get yourself out, be lucky that you haven't got the virus. Um, and just, yeah, keep pushing. Cause eventually it's going to be over. And then you're going to have to come out of it. And if you're preparing for what's after it and you can mentally see yourself after this whole virus is done, then you're going to come out a lot stronger than if you're just whinging and moaning and it's not going to help. Like It's, it's still around. You can yeah, this is our generation's world, world War Three, huh? Yeah. like it's, it's crazy how it escalated. Within, I mean, 48 hours, you're fine. Oh, there's a new virus out. And then all of a sudden, don't come out your house. It's all gone crazy. Like back home in England, hour a day, you're allowed outside now, I think. Um, and you have to, yeah. But it is what it is. Can't change it unless we all actually do our bit to change it. So no point in moaning about it. Just be ready for after it. Visualize yourself after it's done. Yeah, it'd be good. And that's a good point you brought up was visualizing yourself after it. Um, visualization, I... I teach that a lot and I uh, preach that a lot and um, I really do believe it, it works. And like you said, Doggins even says to do it. What are some other ways you've used visualization in the past to uh, be successful? Uh, this, uh, this season, I think I actually realized how powerful it actually is. Um, Cause uh, until you do it, if you hear about it and think about it, some people might say, no, it's, I mean, what? Well, just visualizing. But we had that conversation before the season, and uh, we were talking about visualization. And I try. Obviously, the main goal of a collegiate athlete is to be an All-American. Like that's the highest. You could, that's the best you can get. Um, and seasons before that, all I really cared about was scoring a goal. And my visualization was, it was a pretty small window. Scoring a goal is pretty minor in comparison to an, a whole season. <clears throat> so when we spoke about it. I think this is the first year I actually visualized myself and put it out to the world that I wanted to be an All-American. I wasn't scared of like coming up short. If anyone asked me, I think a lot of people are scared if they say something big that they're going to miss it and come up short and then everyone's going to judge them or something for not making it. But I think when we spoke about it and I said, okay, like I can see myself being an All-American at the end of the season. I can see myself accepting the medals. Um, <clears throat> 
it really helped. And then when you see other people like Conor McGregor, the way before every single fight, you know for a fact, even if he does talk a lot, you know for a fact he believes what he's saying. I figured if I, if I start using your technique and just say I want to be an All-American, but actually mean it like I know I can be, I visualize it, um, it, really, I mean, it really paid off for me, for sure. I was a lot more confident. I knew what I wanted. Everyone around me knew what I wanted. It wasn't like I was holding back on anything, like I want to be an All-American, this is it. Um, and everyone, obviously you can't do it alone. The team was absolutely massive. A lot of people helped me. Jordan basically walked the goal in for me a few times and just tapped it to me on the line. But no, the visualisation, seeing yourself at the top is definitely key, I think. And uh, until I used it properly, I didn't realise until now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I One of the ways I use visualisation that I shared with the team was uh, before the championship the conference championship, I did a walk around the the entire field. And um, one of the things I talked about is when I was like three-fourths of the way there and I was just dying, I would literally visualize myself taking five more steps. I'd stop, picture myself taking five more steps, and then I'd take those five more steps. And then stop, take a breath. Visualize just taking five more steps and then I do it. So there's also, so there's like long-term visualization and then there's short-term. And they, they're both very powerful and very effective. Yeah, and like that story you told about your uh, friend uh, who was in the army or something and he knew that he couldn't run two more miles, but he knew that he could run another 20 yards to that tree. And every time he got to that tree, he'd pick another tree and keep going. And eventually he'd made it that two miles. I mean, that, that stuck with me a lot. Because there's times in games where you're like, oh, we're under the, we're under the cosh. I should run over there, but I can't. Um, but I can visualize myself kind of getting back a little bit, getting into position. And then, especially in like the hard games, like the final, that was a rough game, a mixture of emotions. Um, them stories that you told in the the mental part of the game, I think, helped us a lot. I don't think if we hadn't been mentally switched on for that game, I don't think we win. Because going 1-0 down very early to a PK, I mean, without mental toughness, you don't bounce back from that. Away at Fort Hayes, who haven't lost in, what, three years at home or something crazy like that. You don't bounce back from that. But <clears throat> the mental part of our game was a lot stronger, thanks to you and the stories you've been telling. And uh, I think that showed in the when it really mattered in that last game. What did go through your mind when y'all went down? Four A's with that team that last year that I wanted to beat so bad because <clears throat> they were the best. <clears throat> and uh, you go play them away where they haven't lost in three years. And you're all you're getting amped up for the final in the dressing room and you've been thinking about it for weeks on end being able to play in a final um and then you go out and you know you can beat them because you've you've played them before and you know exactly where they're strong exactly where they're weak and then that happens and it's a it's a sloppy it was a it was a mistake from a lot of us we switched off 
And when you go 1-0 down away to a team like that, I mean, it's easy to go, oh, like we've had a good season. They're just so good. You can't beat them. Like, they're just, that's just, that's just bad luck. Like, but. Nothing we can yeah, do. No, but I think every single one of us in that minute had a choice to make. You either take off running after him again, act like it's nil-nil and really fight for it, or we all just go, oh, it's been a good season. We've, We've already beaten the record for wins, and we've done, we've done a lot of good stuff. So, and not one of us took the easy way out, um, and it clearly paid off. Yeah, we come back into it, but no, I was in that minute. Even myself, I thought, "Oh, this is bad." Like that is the worst possible start, and I was a bit shaky for the next two, three minutes, but got back on the right track, and so did everyone else. So did the whole team. So it was good. Did you bring the team together after they scored and like say, come on, guys, say anything to them? Or I think as a captain, you want to say something, but we had a lot of really good leaders on that team as well. Like, yeah, one of you wears a captain's armband, but that doesn't mean that everyone else around you isn't a captain in their own right. So what really helped me was um, a couple of the people like Jaime Ponce, they were saying, hey, it's okay go back after him doesn't matter like and I think as a captain even I needed to hear that I should be the one saying that but I needed to hear that and then when you hear other people being positive about it it kicked me into gear and I was like get your head back on and there's still I don't know 75 80 minutes left in this game um and then I mean as we both know you've watched a lot of our games I do love to shout so I just started shouting anything the most positive stuff I could think of get after them, chase them, get their head down. And then I think less than five, ten minutes later, we'd equalised. And that, I mean, as soon as you equalise and you're like, okay, now we've got them, we can score against them, they're not in there, they're not invincible. Um, yeah, we started flying after them. And it was, a, I, I definitely think, I mean, it was nice to win it on PKs because it was super dramatic. But if you look at the whole course of that game, we deserve to win regardless of the PKs for sure. We were the better team. We wanted it more, I think. It's a good thing you, you mentioned is saying being positive, like Jaime Ponce saying that um, it's contagious. Positivity is contagious. Just like negativity is 10 times more contagious than positivity. Yeah. Positivity is contagious. So it's a good, good lesson to, uh, you know, you never know who needs to li to hear that, that. No, like, I mean, that game could have gone two, one or two ways. I mean, if after that mistake, we all start shouting at the person that made the mistake and start shouting at each other, then we probably lose that game three or four nil. Because y'all have done that before. Yeah. That's, we, we, we only beat ourselves and we only lose games where we're beating up ourselves mentally. And we knew that we spoke about that a lot as a team. Like other teams don't tend to beat us by out footballing us because we're a good football team, but mentally we were weak in the years before and occasionally last season. And when things got hard, sometimes instead of doing what Jaime Ponce did and what the team did in going forward and being positive, we would dig ourselves a hole and be negative and beat ourselves. And it's nearly impossible to win a team game if the team ain't clicking. And we, egos get into it a lot. Uh, egos get hurt. And when your ego gets hurt, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you retaliate. So 
No, that game could have gone one or two ways, but luckily for us, it went positive. What do you think is the number one thing you've learned with sports and soccer that has translated over to life outside of the pitch? Just hard work. Hard work. Like, in soccer, you have to to be a better soccer player you have to work harder than everyone else and I think a lot of people's problem was if you come like top 10 in the fitness test you think you're okay because you're top 10 Um, and I think the biggest thing mentally that we worked on was that you can't be happy with being top 10 you have to want to be number one and you have to be the fittest to be the best and you have to work harder than anyone else to be the best and I think a lot of the boys on the team if four or five, not everyone's going to have that mindset. Like you can't make everyone have that mindset. But if four or five people on an eleven-man team have that mindset, then it kind of drags everyone else along. And I think the big thing we did was no one was that year was okay with being second best at anything. And uh, when you translate that to the outside world, I mean, and you're trying to get jobs and stuff, you already have that mindset thanks to soccer where. You want to be the best and you don't want to be second best at anything. And I think some people that don't play sports, don't get me wrong, they still have a positive mindset. They want to be the best, but I don't know if they've had that ingrained in them as someone who's played football their whole life. Um, So I think it can give you the edge against other people in the working world. Like Some people think they're working really hard because they're really putting the hours in and they're nine till five, right? But if you're a soccer player and you want to be the best, maybe you work nine till six, nine till seven. The extra couple of hours that you've had ingrained into you from soccer make a big difference, I think. You've had that experience. You've seen firsthand what type of results those yeah. extra hours can, can do for you. And so it's just like a natural switch over to personal life. 100%. I like it. Um, well, we're nearing the 45 minute mark uh, is there anything you have questions for me that you may have always thought about but forgot to ask or something that might be helpful to share with our audience um, um, what do you think the biggest difference was this season because you've been with us for all four years you've seen the ups and downs what did you think as a mental mental side of the game coach, what did you see that was different compared to the years before that made us a little bit different? The biggest thing, and I think the last year and the year before that were both really good in terms of when you would go down a goal. Because the entire, like three, four years ago, y'all would go down a goal and the rest of the game was over. Like, everyone would put their head down. Your body language was terrible. It was like you're already defeated right there. And and you just couldn't bounce back from it. That was the biggest thing that I feel like I was able to help with because I would, you know, especially the, the one who I saw the biggest change in was Jackson. Mm-hmm. I remember one day him, uh, him getting subbed off and – he, you know, everyone hates being subbed off, but especially Jackson hates being subbed off. 
and uh, he he had you know had his shoulder shoulders rounded over and his head down, and then uh, he gets to the sidelines, and then like I'm watching him, and I'm like Jackson, and he's like oh yeah, and he put, puts his shoulders back, lifts his head up, and his demeanor just changes completely. Like I remember seeing that very moment, and like from that day on, I don't think I ever saw Jackson slumped over or with his head down. No. So that's a huge, a huge thing. If you can get your team to just never put their head down and keep their shoulders back, as a coach, it's gonna change your game. Mindset. Cool. Well, I think this went very well for our number one first episode of Fun. Seize Your Mind. Yeah, no, you know I love to talk. And I can talk football all day. So uh, uh, thank you, Jake, for, for being my, my guest here. It's been an honor. And no, uh, I hope the, the, uh, the audience has learned a thing or two. So. I hope so. Enjoy your quarantine, mate. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> Cheers. All right, in a bit.